I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Monday, June 1, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We'll take a look at what, if anything, jumps off the daily chart at me. We'll also look at a variety of other charts that relate to the S&P. We'll look around the horn at the other markets. Then what we're going to do is we're going to take a trip over to psych class 101 we're going to talk a little bit about one of the trader mindset topics that's going on right now we'll kind of unpack it a little bit and instead of getting inside my mind what we're going to do during that segment is get inside some of your minds better put your padlock on i'm coming in we're also going to address a question that comes up as it relates to shorting specific stocks We're going to talk around the issue of what are we shorting, what are we looking for, and most importantly, why, so that you can have an understanding of the method behind the madness. Let's circle back and start with what's hopping off the page. Is anything different from what was in the weekend video? We've had one trading day removed from the weekend video. It's the first day of the month. It's a Monday. Did anything material happen? And the answer is... No, other than the fact that the market is up a little bit more than it was or from where it was on Friday, it's the same general idea. It's above all the moving averages. Essentially, right now, it's a creeping market, if you will. It's creeping higher. They're about to or could have today challenged the highs from Thursday. And we have a couple of lines that remain on the page. We talked about these over the weekend. It is 309 to 311. We'll split the difference and call it 310. Comes in about 3100 in the S&P E-mini futures contract. That's an area that we would be looking to find what's known as overhead resistance. Net, net. I don't think the market can actually get a lot higher than that right now. How are we going to qualify and quantify this whole thing? So here's what I'll say. If the market was up in that 310, 311, 309 area this week, I think it's a stone cold short. From a short term perspective with a tight leash, how does that trade go wrong? Where does that trade go wrong? It goes wrong with a daily close above 313. Technically, it's 313.10. And then there's even another pivot on top of that. But we're going to call it 313. If the market's closing daily above 313, The trade is, generally speaking, been wrong. What happens if it's up there next week? We'll talk about it next week. This particular setup is for this week. It's a sooner-than-later type of setup. If the market gets sucked up there like a magnet right away, meaning over the next, let's say, trading session two or three, really three on the outside, I'm looking for a turn mid to late this week in the market. Now, let's quantify what a turn really means. Does that mean we're going to go back and test the lows from March? No, that's long gone. That's history in the making. We'll be down there some other time, but that's not what we're talking about now. Right now, first, we talk about a pullback. Can a pullback morph into more of a correction? Of course it can. We take one step at a time. First, we try and identify the highest probability place 
that the market should put in a turn from a price perspective. Then, can we match it up with time? Now, if we can match up time with price, then we have something to sink our teeth into, something to hang our hat on. As you know, I'm a big advocate and proponent of time is more important than price. I get some arguments through email, through comments under the video. Some folks don't believe that. They think it's nonsense. They think I have three heads. But that's exactly what makes a market. Two people, three people, a variety of different analysts or people or traders or investors look at the same set of information, the same data points, and they come out with entirely different scenarios going forward. That, by definition, is the market. So here's the way I'm looking at the market. Time and price, 309, 310, 311, over the next two, three trading sessions, and I think that's a stone cold short. You close above 313 on a daily chart, and I'm gonna move out of that trade and have to reassess. For me, the way I look at that, it's having somewhere where I know where the trade is wrong, I know where it goes bad, I have a place where I can cut and run and reevaluate the trade. It's close to risk. It's having to lose small and fast if you have to lose at all. Now that I gave you that, we're going over to Inside the Numbers. We're going to check out the commentary. We're going to take a look at stocks on the move. We're going to do it rather quickly, primarily because there wasn't a lot going on today. All we really had to know this morning was, as long as the market didn't do a certain thing on the south side, or get below a certain price zone on the south side, then they were likely going to go back up and test the overnight or pre-market highs. They did that. So what we'll do is, we'll just scroll up, and you can start and stop the video whenever you like. You can do it at your leisure. I urge you to read the notes. You want to take note of the numbers, the resistance areas, the support areas, the hourly closes. Go back and look at the chart. See what the market did in and around the notes, after the notes were posted. And what that'll do is give you an idea of this is something of value. Is this something that you can utilize on a daily basis? If you're active in the market on an intraday basis, trading the SPY, the ES contract, options on the SPY, even if you're trading stocks on a short-term basis, you need to know the direction of where the major market is going because it's a rising tide, lifts all boats environment, and when the tide goes out, you get to see which stocks have no clothes on. So it certainly pays to have an understanding of where the next likely move is coming from in the SPY, where the resistance areas are, where the support areas are. In here, you always have something to trade against. You know that if the market is doing this, then it's either right or wrong. The goal is to kiss the market. It's to keep it simple, not really kiss the market. We only want to borrow the market. We want to borrow it like we borrow a stock. We borrow it for a trade. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Let's finish out the notes. And as you'll see, there wasn't a lot going on the majority of the day. But what was going on was important to know if you're active in the market at all throughout the day. Here's stocks on the move. Let's check out four opportunities in particular. The first one we'll check out is Gilead, G-I-L-D. The entry hit column says open, but it was hit. It should say yes. 
The next one, CGC, will also look at Abbott, ABT, and Pfizer, PFE. As you can see, it was healthcare slash pharma day. Take note of the numbers. The entries are what's important. The stops are what's important. The charts are what's important. So with Gilead, it was basically ended up being a base hit, but the market or the stock or both didn't really do much all day long. The number put up on the board was 75.10, went a little bit lower, never got to the second target, finally started the trek back up north. The high of day was about 75.95 on the button, and then it started a trek back down to where? 75.10. You can see the importance of the number. However, if there's any takeaway whatsoever, the number works, and base hits put you in the Hall of Fame. Not a glamorous trade, but we take the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, that was paint by numbers. Let's talk about real time and what traders may or may not have done. This one can certainly go, and they all can go both ways, but let me talk it through for a second. I think there's a learning opportunity in here. The stock came down after the closing price of 77.79 from Friday, so it's getting a haircut, but it comes up short and has a nice bounce away from the 75.10. It never got there, but it had a nice rally away. Then it comes back down. So we know the routine. All of a sudden, it's not the same trade. The risk-reward has now shifted since it had at least part of, if not, the type of bounce that we would have been satisfied for a base hit at minimum. However, it happened early in the morning, and it came down also early enough to where, again, we don't really know. I don't have the answer. It's I can't say it's going to work, not going to work. It's the market. Anything goes. The numbers are the numbers. How we trade them and how aggressive or not aggressive we want to be is up to the individual. Case in point, an individual who wants to take less risk, for example, less risk than the other example I'm going to give you next, would pass on the trade being that it came in pretty close and bounced away. The trader who's willing to take on a more aggressive stance would say, I'm going to get in the trade anyway. I know there's a second price target. I'm willing to add at the second price target. Trader number one might have said at that point, I'm only willing to buy at this point at the second price target. So there are two different traders, two different ways to handle it. Neither are wrong, neither are right. They're just personal preference. How about Canopy Growth, CGC? Similar situation. The stock came into the number, went lower, never got to the second price target. So obviously nowhere near the stop. It finally started back up. It never really went anywhere. What did it give you? It gave you a bunt for base hit. We take the good, the bad, and the ugly. You never know which stocks are going to give you the rocket ride. Base hits put you in the Hall of Fame. How about Abbott? Same story. It's almost like a broken record. Comes close, bounces away, comes back in, spikes through the number by a few cents. The low of day happens to be 92.04, and then it takes off to the upside. Now, this one was more than a base hit. But it did the thing where it hovered over the price. You don't know if this one's going to work by the time it gets there or not. The risk profile of Abbott changed based on how it traded before it came into the price target. Takeaway, the number worked anyway. The numbers aren't always going to work, but that's the fallback. The fallback is I have confidence in my numbers. How about Pfizer getting a nice buzz cut at the open? 
34.95 was the ticket. You see what happened. The rest is history. What's going on here? So we looked at four charts, four trades. Let's summarize. Stocks are headed for a destination. When they get to the destination, they're either going to hang out for a cup of coffee or they're going to turn around and go back in the other direction. What happened today? They did some of one and some of another. They never really gave us a big trade one way or the other. So be it. Pfizer was a nice trade. It's a 2% day trade. That's not a bad trade. You have to put everything in perspective. You're not going to get a $4 bounce at a Pfizer. It moves at a snail's pace, which is why we also know it's unlikely to also be at 30 bucks. So you have a different thing going into the trade with something like Pfizer than a name you never heard of that might be some Chinese stock or ADR or phony company or whatever it is. You know, one of these things, LK, luck and coffee. I don't know the story, but look where the stock was. It was 50 bucks. Now it's two. When it's a name you never heard of or one of these obscure things that could be an accounting fraud issue going on, I think that was the case with Luckin. They didn't get so lucky. The stock was halted for like a long time. Something like this is just not going to happen to Pfizer. And if it does, it's the one in a million thing, but it's unlikely to happen to Pfizer better than the 80-20 rule. It's really like the 98-2 rule. In the financial business, there's something known as know your customer rule. You have to apply common sense knowing your customers, know your client, know your stock, know the stock you're trading. It's common sense. Pfizer isn't going to get cut in half. Not all in one morning anyway. Not without an accounting or fraud type of thing going on anyway. But that's all. Just use logic, common sense, know your customer, know your stock. Little short hop back over in our lane to the SPY. What's the hourly chart telling us? Nothing. The hourly chart is basically a chop shop formation. And if I just did this, it would make sense. We had a gap up. We pulled back a little bit. We went higher. We pulled back a little bit. Made a higher low and continued up again. Now, challenging the former highs from late last week. That's it. Then, and you know there's always a method to the madness... There's going to be traders out there that immediately say, hey, wait a minute, they got another one of them there head and shoulders pattern working. Well, they don't yet, but it's possible it's something to be of an awareness. We have to be pre-prepared just in case we had one of these before. It didn't work. The market went the other way. The same energy that would have been released in the downside is currently being released in the northern direction. So here's what we'll say about that. The market comes back down, that may activate, meaning the head and shoulders pattern for the second time that we just showed. However, if they get above Thursday's high and close above there, then it's off the table. It's not a pattern. It's not a head and shoulders anything. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Well, what jumps off the chart at me is obviously this candle here. We could say that's a fugly candle. It's not the fugliest, but it's certainly in the fugly camp. But I'm going with this scenario. As long as the market continues closing daily above this line, this pivot here is important. The market has broken out above that former high. It's not me telling you that's important. It's the market telling us that that former pivot was important. They jumped over it. They came down to run a couple of tests, and they're staying above it. That's all we need to know. As long as they're above that line, then all they're doing is this, eating time off the clock. That's it. 
You don't look at it any other way. It's not necessary. What happens if they come down below that line and they close below that former pivot, meaning on the daily close? That's a different story. That means there's trouble lurking. That's all you need to know. What else do we need to know with the IWM? So I suppose that wasn't all we needed to know. There's something else that we need to know, which is it was leading to the upside. Why is that important? Because it's my favorite market leading indicator. So as a comparison, the SPY was up less than one half of 1%. The IWM was up almost 1%. So it was leading to the upside today. It's a puzzle piece of note, puzzle piece on the table. What about the folks down at the transportation department? We have the opposite scenario. It was down today. Not really down. It was basically flat. Three or four points in a $9,000 index is a rounding error. If it was down a couple of hundred points, even a hundred points today, even 50, 60, 70 points, we would say that we have a divergence on our hands with the transports being down and the IWM being up. While we don't really have a divergence, what we do have is a market that's not yet participating along with the IWM, which is leading to the upside. Spiders were up, IWM was up, but the transports were flat. We're not going to read too much into that. What we are going to say is, They're basically eating time off the clock right underneath the 100 period moving average. They have yet to be rejected. And the longer they continue to eat time off the clock, the more likely it becomes, and that is without going down, the more likely it becomes they're going to make another move higher to where? Where do we have a number on the board? 94.40 would be the next stop for the transports. Next major area of overhead resistance, the way I see it. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley? Anything change? Anything other than a broken record here? No, it's in an uptrend, grinding higher. We'll find final destination, maybe not to the same magnitude, but should be in the same time zone that we discussed earlier with the SPY. This is an all the same market scenario. I'm not expecting the Qs to continue powering forward and have everything else pull back. It's an all the same market scenario. They're all going to peak out together. They're all going to start going lower together, whether it's a slight correction or whether it's a bigger correction. We'll cross that road when we get there. Just for argument's sake, when you look at this chart, let's just say for argument's sake, and this is not what I'm saying, but let's just say for this hypothetical example, the Qs top out 2 or $3 higher than they are now. Let's just say that for argument's sake. 237 for kicks. And then let's say over the next week or two, they have a correction down to the 20 period moving average. Now the 20 period moving average will creep up toward price over time. However, right now it's at two and a quarter. Well, guess what? From 237 to two and a quarter is a correction. It wouldn't do any damage on the daily chart, but it's still a correction. It's 13 points. What do you think the news cycle would be saying while the cues were going down 13 points? the media would be in the process of scaring the shit out of everybody. That's the way this works. How about the financials? Are they giving us a clue one way or the other? Up over 1%, so it's certainly not bearish. But we have another one of those fugly candles, and we have another one of those, there are no coincidences or accidents with the market. Let me explain. We got the fugly candle right here, okay? Same fugly we talked about before. Maybe it's a bona fide reversal, maybe it's not. It's not the point. But here's what is the point. The closing price of that candle on that day happens to be 23.68. What was the closing price today? 23.68. What happens if they start closing above 
2368 on the daily chart. They start to work their way up to what? The top of the breakdown candle. There's no accidents or coincidences with the market. What's the hourly chart saying at present? At present, it's a bull flag pattern saying they want another push higher. That's what the hourly chart is saying. The problem is they ran out of runway today, and by the time you get to 9.30 a.m. Tuesday morning, anything could have happened overnight. So certainly the hourly charts, when you go overnight, are less reliable from one night to the next for obvious reasons. What about Smash Mouth? A little bit of a pullback today, so we have a little bit of a divergence. We have the SMH, which tracks the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, was down, but it was a blurb. Look where we are in the chart, above all the moving averages, and they've basically just been going sideways, eating time off the clock, down less than a buck. We're not going to make anything more out of it than that. Now, before I mentioned that we were going to take a stroll over to psych class, here's what I wanted to mention with that. Best to get the picture of the S&P daily chart in mind. So the market has been defying gravity. Look where it is, and then think about what's going on in the media, the news cycle. You had the whole coronavirus thing, the whole country shut down. Multiple countries around the globe are shut down, yet the market continues higher, but there is no economy or wasn't for a period of time in large part. Now we have another issue going on here in the U.S., Another terrible situation. We're not going to discuss the situation, but what we're going to do is use the whole sentiment thing with the market and have an understanding of how this all works. You're new to this game. You believe the news. You believe all the stuff you've read in blogs, in news items, even in editorials and purchased pieces. You might have bought some research from whoever Joe Bear suit out there that has 110 reasons why that we're in the middle of another market crash, just hold the course. Now, I get all that, and we're not going to go deep into that thing. We're going to stay on the mindset of what's going on. So let's say you bought into that scenario. You've gotten the pies in the face, but you keep buying in. You keep trying to short the market, or you stay short, and you continue to lose money. It's frustrating. I get it. What we have to do is disassociate what you think logic is with what's happening in the stock market. The market climbs a wall of worry. It always has. It always will. What's going on now has happened dozens and hundreds of times in the past. Over the last several years, traders that have been around here for a long time have seen this. We've been through this several times. The market seems to defy gravity. It seems to defy logic. It goes up in the face of every conceivable piece of bad news there is. How the hell does that happen? This is the reason why I keep saying the market's headed for a destination. And I tell Inside the Numbers members every single day, and I mention in the videos here, that the market has had every excuse to go down. Overnight, early in the morning, late in the afternoon, in the middle of the day, it's had every opportunity and excuse to go down, and it continues to turn around and go higher in the face of everything that's going on. All I do is strip away everything out of that, and I say, the market's headed to somewhere that's being magnetic. It's drawing price somewhere like a magnet draws another magnet. Positive and negative attract. Once the market finds that final destination, it's like going into a slot. 
may go a little higher, but one of two things is going to happen. It's going to be rejected and it's going to be freaking obvious, or it's going to stop and it's going to eat some more time off the clock and it's going to give traders like us a chance to reassess whether or not that was actually final destination. And I'm talking about that 309, 310, 311 zone that we discussed earlier. You have to treat the market like you treat other things in life. If you're in the wrong trade, you don't know it's wrong until it's wrong. It's wrong when you feel the pain. The pain is my account is worth less than it was yesterday or less than it was five minutes ago. We all know that that's immediate pain. The degree of pain equals the degree of how much money was at risk and how much I'm down. So what do we do when we're in that position? The average Joe does the wrong thing. What is the wrong thing? The average Joe begins to reread the same stuff that got him into the position, see if he missed anything, wants to reconfirm that he's in the right thing, then slides over to other pieces that are very similar in nature, wants to get what we call confirmation bias. Trader Joe or average Joe reads the news that confirms his position. He's reading the news, so he's kind of talking his own book. Most of the time, and this isn't everybody, but this happens a lot. Most of the time, Trader Joe will actually blow right by an article or a piece of news or an item that's counter to his current position. And therein lies the actual mistake. Trader Joe, because of the pain, for whatever reason, our psyche doesn't allow us to do this until we have an understanding of what's going on. Trader Joe doesn't want to see the other side, doesn't want to read the other side, doesn't want to know why he's wrong. Why is that? And oh, by the way, she also, she is not excluded from this. This is indiscriminate. He, she, it, whatever. The market takes everybody out behind the woodshed. But what's the underlying reason? The underlying reason is Trader Joe is afraid to find out he or she or it was wrong. The result of that would be having to take the loss, eat the big green frog. It's painful. It's confirmation you were wrong. Nobody likes to be wrong. Therefore, we avoid knowing about it. Therein lies one of the ways our mind does play tricks on us as traders. It's absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, a mind fuck. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you and that without you, these videos are not possible? That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. It's everything that I wanted to and intended to discuss. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.